0: You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Imer McBride. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation.
1: But then, very quickly, it stops being glamorous and it stops being fun and it starts being monotonous and it starts to be lonely. And I suppose I started to wonder if there was a way to make use of what felt like dead time, wasted time. All those days and weeks it felt like I had spent in hotel rooms that seemingly had no meaning and so i wanted to you know think about the hotel rooms and why people go there and what happens to you what kind of person you become in this place where no one is with you no one knows you you can be anything you want and so ostensibly you're incredibly free but really all you're left with is yourself and your memories and your thoughts and how do you cope in that very kind of intense space If the past is something that you don't want to think about, the past is something that you want to escape. And I I suppose I wanted to think about how language could be used in a different way to portray that experience. So rather than the sort of broken, very immediate syntax of the experiential language of the first two books, using a language that was really about someone who's trying to put distance between herself and the reader, But yes, you, you hit on something that is part of the point of the language, is that the language is very rhythmical. And that's kind of there because I'm aware, as a writer, I'm aware that for readers, not giving them a lot of the traditional information is not always easy
0: and it makes it harder to make a connection. It's interesting because sometimes you do need to distance yourself from an emotion in order to write about it, right? To observe it. Or you can just exercise those emotions so that it doesn't infect the rest of your life with a lot of chaos, right? So it's interesting how we can be almost surgical.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and I think people do mistake that a lot with writers, but I think writers ourselves are generally under no illusion with the fact that we carry around a chip of ice in our hearts. And I think a lot of novelists I know would say the same thing, that there is almost to a problematic degree an inability to feel close to life there is a a part of you that is always watching, that is always observing, that is always, no matter what's going on, picking up details and analyzing and absorbing things and not consciously, not, okay, this is gonna be great. This funeral will be brilliant for my new novel. But just that that is how a lot of novelists deal with life and that actually the writing is a way to feel closer to those experiences that we think everyone else is having around us. But actually, if the language is impulsive, that can help with drawing the reader in. I, I think you should be a magpie and take your influences and your cues from all over the place.
0: And oh, it's interesting because you've been very brave in, in terms of the, your experimental writing style or stream of consciousness. But on another level, this music of being, which is consciousness, I mean, I think very few people are con- constantly thinking in complete sentences. This, uh, to me, this breathless quality or finishing, putting the full stop in, you know, if things are half finished, to me is more a reflection of what we are. but we have this structure of language that makes it all logical and ordered. But that's a little bit of a straitjacket that I don't think we... We're a bit freer in here. Yeah,
1: I, and, and I think that was definitely my starting point when I first started to work on the Girl as a Half Thing, was the idea of there being this part of life that exists that is really hard to put into linear language, that doesn't run in accordance with the plot or with the way that we describe things that can even be destroyed by being straightjacketed into grammatical language. And, you know, that was really the thing that set, that set me off on the path was I feel so conscious of that part of life that is very intangible, but is hugely influential that is hard to name or quantify, but has such influence over how you think about the world, how you react to the world, how you make your way through the world, who you are underneath it all. And linear language has never really seemed to me adequate to express all of those things. And so because I was coming from a drama school background, as opposed to literary background or creative writing university background, and character was the thing that I was most interested in.
0: I think it's interesting. You know, I was speaking to the essayist John Tagata the other day. And so usually he's not used to seeing his um, writing perform, but there was an adaptation of this, this book he co-authored. And he was seeing a lot of theater. And then he said that seeing a lot of theater, he just one day started crying um in the theater just because he was just it was a the play wasn't even sad but it was just he could just see this whole collective energy and that he felt you know he's you know he loves language but he felt it could never really reach even though he had an adaptation of his of his book but he it wasn't a part of that collective experience
1: so i
0: many many's a
1: hang of, and certainly when i started to write Les for and i realized that so much of the story would be told through the sexual experiences of the two main characters I was kind of aghast and thought god how embarrassing this is terrible to have to write all of this stuff and why am I so interested am I just a bit of a pervert or what is it and I think what I realized was that it was a way of exploring character that I didn't feel had been exploited really very much in the past and therefore I was kind of interested in it and how that this thing which everyone does or doesn't but whatever, you know, whichever they're doing or they're not doing it, it is important and a central role in all of our lives. And, it, and yet in literature and even in film it's portrayed in this kind of cut-off way as though it is not a part of who we are but rather a sim- simply an activity like washing the dishes that we are separate from that we perform but doesn't isn't informed by who we are or shaped by who we are and that doesn't shape us and of course i once i realized that that actually sex is not just something that is done but it is an expression of the self for good or for bad and that when people have sex you know then it's like you never go into the same river twice so every time something else is you're learning something else about each other or about yourself and that when you leave that room the next morning you take the experience of the night before with you again for better or for worse. To be honest I think the problem that I'm finding hardest to cope with at the moment is the an unwillingness to listen, a fear of conversation that I think is very toxic and has spilled into the center of a lot of the big arguments that we need to be having about the world today. And the fear of complexity, of course everyone wants to know I'm thinking the right thing or I'm thinking the wrong thing, it's black or it's white, but I There are so few things in life that I think that have black and white solutions. And I suppose what I hope is that people learn to stop being afraid of complexity. To hold lots of ideas at once. To know that even if you don't agree with a certain position, perhaps there is merit in trying to understand the root of that position rather than attacking and saying that there can be no discussion because your view is the right view. And I really think we have got ourselves into a deadlock and we need to get out of that deadlock.
0: Yes, well, I mean, um, speaking on the artistic end of that, it seems like what you're saying, you know, a multiplicity of voices and listening and complexity could be a description of the novel itself, of novels uh, and what they can do and what they can contain. So I guess, uh, what are some things for you that you know you can really only do in literature you know the other mediums just just touch it but
1: yeah I, th- I think that's true I think the novel has a capacity to hold a lot of things inside of it and I dislike novels that are very didactic or ideological I think that's bad art I think the novel is there to explore many ideas and can hold many truths together in one place at a time and that's you know part of the job of the novelist i think is 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 to refuse the binary is to always just look out more because there is always more there's always so much more
0: we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast to listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating exhibitions click subscribe thank you for listening